Welcome to Dr. C and the D. I'm Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, the medical director of the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. And I have with me the, the amazing Alexa Karbowski, who is one of my physician's assistants. And this episode, we're going to talk, Alexa, about what a fertility workup entails. And the one thing I want to let people know is that it's pretty quick. When you come in to see us, you know, we'll talk a little bit about a history, may or may not do a physical. And then on this episode, we're going to talk about the three parts of the triangle that we uh, look at, which is hormone, sperm, and structure. So Alexa, let's start with a couple walks into our office. What should they expect to get with regard to answering questions about their history? So at the very first visit, we always go through a detailed history for both the female and the male partner. And I always tell everybody right off the bat, you know, every couple is different. And I think that's really important for them to be aware because it's, it's not a cookie cutter, you know, process where everyone is the same. So we get the history, we get their menstrual history, their social history, family history, obviously all the background of what they're going through with their fertility journey. And we also get all the history on the male partner as well. Once we get that history and kind of figure out, have they done any testing, any treatment, you know, so far, all those little details, then we're able to customize a game plan of the workup. And, you know, a lot of people, you probably see this too, Dr. K, you know, they're really anxious to get started. They wanted to be pregnant yesterday. They want to start treatment immediately. Mm -hmm. And I always assure them, that is our goal. We want to, we want to get things going for you. Right now. But the workup is really key and important. And that's why we really wanted to do this particular topic today, because some people come in and they think, give me something. I want to do something right now, a medication, a pill, but we really don't know what the best option is until we do that workup, because there's a lot of factors that may change what medication we suggest, what dose, what protocol procedure. So the workup is really the first step for us to give you that, that best plan possible. And with regard to the history, some things that you might want to think about when you come in to see us are, you kind of want to have an idea of what your menstrual cycles are like. If you've been pregnant before, when were the pregnancies? What was the result of the pregnancies? How, you know, we're going to make an assessment of how much you weigh and, and knowing how tall you are will give us an idea of a BMI. You're going to want to have an idea of what any medical history that you have, any surgeries that you've had. And there are some people that don't remember the surgeries are so minor. If you had sur surgeries on your cervix, if you had abnormal pap smears, think about if you had abnormal pelvic, had any pelvic infections, medications that you're on, it might be a good idea to look and bring the list, not only the medications you're on, but any kind of supplements that you take, because some of the supplements may impact your hormones, which then could impact potentially the any allergies that you have, you want to remember kind of your social history, any smoking, drinking, but, you know, be honest with us about marijuana use uh, and drug use. I mean, we're, we're here to help you figure out if that amount and that dose or what you use is impacting your fertility family history. So if there's certain family histories of medical conditions like thyroid disease or something that, or problems with getting pregnant, that could be helpful for us. 
for men, you might want to think if you've ever had any testicular trauma, if you had any history of any infections, are you having any problems with erections? Be honest with that because, you know, it, it, many men will have problems with erections or ejaculations. Don't be embarrassed. I mean, this is important for us to know. And of course, any surgeries that you've had, family histories and, and your medications are important as well. So, you know, it might be a good idea to think about those, write those things down before you see us for the first visit, because I don't know about you guys, but when I see a new doctor, I'm a little nervous. And I sit there and I think, oh my gosh, I forgot this. I forgot that. And I, I want to ask this question, but even myself, I went to a primary care the other day. I forgot to tell them three things that were in my medical history and I'm a doc. So it's like, I, I, he, they walk in and you're like, oh my God, I think I have so many minutes. Now workup is nice because it can happen within one menstrual cycle. So, you know, when you start your next period, we can get the three parts of the triangle done and, and down in one menstrual cycle so that the following menstrual cycle, you guys would hopefully be able to start treatment. So I always talk about hormone, sperm, and structure. So Alexa, which one do you want to tackle? Let's tackle, I will tackle, I'll do structure. Okay. Because we did our fertility Friday <laughs> on structure. So we'll, okay. just, we'll just roll into that. So. All right. When we start the workup is usually when you get your next menstrual cycle, which not everyone has a regular period. So if you don't get regular cycles, we will figure out if we need to help you get one. If you do get regular cycles, we'll have you call day one. And still don't get periods at all. At all. So th that's fine. We'll, we'll tell you exactly what to do. But assuming you get a regular cycle, you call us on that first day and that's when we get everything going. The structural part, so there's there's kind of two parts. Um, the first part is our baseline ultrasound. And that baseline ultrasound, we usually do on cycle day two, three, or four. And that's when the ovaries should be quiet, the lining should have a, you know, kind of a more thinned out appearance. So that baseline ultrasound is where our technicians at one of our locations right here at the office, you don't have to go off site or anything. We'll take detailed photos of your uterus, your ovaries, we'll look at the tubes, you know, all the anatomical structures. We're looking for cysts, you know, every little detail. So we have a really clear idea of kind of, okay, at baseline, this is your, your general anatomy. That also lets us evaluate your egg supply. We'll actually count the little follicles we see on your ovaries, and that's called the antral follicle count. And that's one of the pieces of the puzzle when we're evaluating your ovarian reserve. So baseline ultrasound gives us those basic views. We then usually, for those patients who have not had it done already, take that one step further in terms of an evaluation of the uterine cavity internally more and the open, the patent, the fallopian tubes. There are two options there. And this is also on our Fertility Fridays. We did a really good kind of summary just of these two tests. But there's the uh, saline sonogram test as well as the hysterosalpingogram. And they are both great tools to evaluate the uterine cavity and the fallopian tube, excuse me, the fallopian tubes. But depending on the patient and their history, sometimes one is better than the other. And that's, you know, again, why we get that detailed history. And a quick summary of that saline sonogram, which we do in our office, may be better for someone with recurrent miscarriages a high suspicion for a uterine polyp or a uterine abnormality that you may see a little bit more clearly on that test than the HSG. Sometimes the HSG or histosalpingogram, which is the x-ray dye test you hear people speak of at the hospital, 
um, sometimes a small polyp could be missed or something subtle. That test is really a little bit more beneficial and useful for those patients that we have a higher suspicion for some kind of tubal issue. So, you know, a history of prior infection with gonorrhea, chlamydia, a history of an ectopic pregnancy, something where we might be a little more worried about the tubes. It does show the definition and the outline of the tubes more clearly because that dye is going to outline that full tubal structure. So if there's a dilation, a blockage, um, sometimes you can see that a little better on that test. So they're both great tools. They're both great tests. They help us determine your options for getting pregnant, staying pregnant. And that's what we figure out from that history is which one of those anatomical studies is best for you. So the timing of this is you'll usually be, do it anywhere cycles day six through 12. And the reason we picked that time frame is important because we don't want to do these tests while you're bleeding. The reason is because bacteria love blood, right? So if we are sticking a catheter inside the uterus, the vagina is full of normal bacteria and we don't want to increase your risk of infection. We don't want to do it after cycle day 12, because how do we know you might not have ovulated and this precious pregnancy you've been waiting for forever is now been developed. And if we do it at the end of your cycle, then, you know, that pregnancy may be affected. We always do urine pregnancy tests before HSGs and Sonos to document you're not pregnant. The other reason is that after you have your period, the lining is the thinnest at that point. So this is where we're able to see better polyps and fibroids in the uterine cavity. So that is the logic um, behind doing cycle day six through 12. And so when you call that first day of the period, you'll schedule that ultrasound, You'll also schedule that sonohistogram either in our office, or we would then let you know that you can schedule that HSG at the hospital. So I'll tackle hormones. How's that sound? Sounds good. So on cycle day three, we get, like Alexa said, on day two, three, or four is when the hormones should be at its lowest point. So we're checking your FSH level, estrogen level, AMH level. These go along with the antral follicle count that Alexa talked about on ultrasound to assess your fertility potential. So the FSH is follicle stimulating hormone. It's a hormone that will look to see how young your ovaries are is how I describe it. An FSH of less than 10 says that the ovaries are, are younger and a little more active and FSH getting farther away or higher than 10 starts to suggest that you have some decreased ovarian reserve. In other words, the ovaries are getting tired. The AMH level anti-malarian hormone is a hormone that looks to see kind of how many eggs are left. We can't exactly tell you how many, but we can have a gestalt about kind of, are there a lot or there a little, what's going on with your egg reserve based on that number. And a number greater than one is what we want. That says you have, you know, eggs that we can work with. We don't know the quality of them, but at least we have some indication that there are got to be some eggs in AMH less than one is there's less eggs to work with. We get the estradiol level because at that point that needs to be low. If it's high, then say, for example, your FSH is eight. So you think, oh my God, this is wonderful. But your estrogen level is 300. Estrogen suppresses FSH. So your FSH may actually be higher than what we think, because maybe there's a cyst on the ovary that's making that estrogen be produced, which is then kind of shutting down or lowering that FSH. So that ultrasound that you do is going to look for big cysts that could be related to that. Also the antral follicle count 
which is how many little cysts are in your ovaries that hopefully could give us an egg. So we can take those blood tests, that ultrasound, combine it with your age and give you an idea of what your fertility potential is. Additionally, the hormones we get are ones that can affect the quality of ovulation. So thyroid, for example, if you have an underactive thyroid, more so than an overactive thyroid, if you have an elevated hormone called prolactin, those things can be associated with the inability to ovulate regularly. And we want to make sure we test those levels. For fertility, we want a TSH level, which is thyroid stimulating hormone, less than 2.5, greater than 2.5 has been associated with miscarriage rates. So we want to kind of check and make sure that that thyroid is in the appropriate level. Also, we want to check on your sugar, maybe your insulin, hemoglobin A1C. These are mark signs or can correlate with PCOS, but also as we know, many of us are in the overweight or obese category, insulin resistance and increase in weight can affect the quality of the eggs. So if you have an elevation in insulin or your sugar's off or your hemoglobin is A1Cs off, we want to correct that. So A, you can ovulate better, B, respond to our medications better, and C, have a great pregnancy once you're pregnant. Uh, vitamin D. Vitamin D is very important for all organ systems. And for us, we want uh, it to be in the normal range of 30 to 100. And we feel that there could be an impact on implantation with a normal vitamin D level. So all of us are insufficient or deficient in vitamin D. So get some sun. We live in Michigan. We get sun maybe three times a year, maybe, but we also like supplementation. So we'll tell you how much to take. We want to get your blood type. We want to make sure we know that because if you're, you know, there are certain blood types that need further action in pregnancy. We want to know what your protection of, you know, varicella and rubella. Those are the chicken pox and the, and the uh, measles. We want to know those type of tests as well. So these are things that we will do as a basic workup. If everything's normal, we move on. If there is some abnormalities there, we have the ability to fix them. The other test we do in the beginning is something called genetic carrier screening. It's not a hormonal evaluation, but it's something that's important because what it can do is it can identify any genetic conditions that you're carrying to a pregnancy. So if you do not have any of these 250, what Alexa, 250 some conditions. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So if you don't have any of these conditions, we don't have to test your partner, but if you're positive for something, then we do, for example, cystic fibrosis is, is common in the Caucasian population. If you are negative for cystic fibrosis, we don't have to test your partner, but if you're positive, we should test him because if you both are positive for cystic fibrosis, we can either make you aware so that when you have a baby and there's a 25% chance, if you both have that gene that you are, have a baby with cystic fibrosis, you know what to do and how to take care of that baby. Or there's the technology with IVF where we can identify embryos that are affected our carriers just like you are unaffected. So that's why we want to know, since we're proactively helping you create a baby here, we kind of want to know that information ahead of time. So those are the hormones that we do. So now what's left is da -da -da, our men. So let's talk about guys. So Alexa, what do we have to do for them? So the men are the other piece of the puzzle. And, you know, it's, it's really a 50, 50 split. And we see that, I mean, up to 40 to 50% of our patients are a combination of factors. So 
For the gentleman, aside from getting that detailed history, we do always like to order a semen analysis. And, and we do that even for our patients that maybe have had prior pregnancies, miscarriages, the gentleman, because there are some aspects of that analysis can still give some insight, even if they've gotten someone pregnant before. So the semen analysis we do at all of our locations, we always offer the option for a home collection for, you know, comfort level of some people are more comfortable at home. And some of our locations do offer in-house collection as well. And when we do that analysis, we collect the sample and we give you specific guidelines on the, the time frame, when to bring it in, appointment scheduled, et cetera. And we're going to be checking um, all the basics from the color, volume, pH, viscosity, and then the specifics of how many sperm are there, which is our concentration, the movement of the sperm, which is the motility, and lastly, the shape or the morphology. And each one of those factors has its own role in, you know, the ability for the sperm to get where it has to go to do what it has to do to fertilize. So depending on if one thing is off or all things are it really helps guide our recommendations, which could be, you know, anything from treatment to vitamins to urology referrals. There are also additional, more advanced testing of the sperm if we find something that is more significant or concerning, or there's something in the history that prompts us to take that further. And there's testing called DNA fragmentation, and we kind of help you determine if that next step or that more advanced test is needed. But that gives us a really good idea of, you know, what we're working with from the male aspect and what interventions we're going to suggest, not only in treatment, but, you know, we really focus a lot on the lifestyle stuff here, whether that's watching your diet, adding in vitamins, supplements, you know, things that could affect the sperm, like overheating the testicles. So that all kind of comes into play. And although the sperm might look really good overall, if there's anything we can do even if it's basic vitamins, supplements, lifestyle changes, our job is to help you guys have the best chance to get pregnant, to stay pregnant. And it's not always medical. You know, sometimes those lifestyle things, those more natural things, they're really important in that. Mm -hmm, exactly. And so the books say that you need three semen analysis to determine a man's fertility potential. For, for reality, if I get a normal semen analysis, I am not going to have a guy do another one before we start to try some treatment options. But if there's some abnormalities in the sperm, as we talked, I think in a previous pod podcast, men make a new mix of sperm every 72 days. So if I have an abnormal semen analysis, I may I'm not going to ask the guy to give another one a week later. I'm testing the same sample. So I'm having him come in maybe five or six weeks later to get in the continuum, a different parameter or a different sample for us to look at. And then depending upon the abnormalities that we see in the semen analysis, we can either offer treatments like Alexa said, supplements, lifestyle changes, or there's treatments that we're going to talk about in other podcasts, inseminations, sending you to a male fertility specialist to work with him about, you know, what other things could be going on as well as IVF. Now, here's the thing. Most men will masturbate and be able to give a sample through masturbation. And it is not an issue. We tell them to abstain from masturbation uh, for, or sex or masturbation for two to seven days, no longer get it to our office within an hour and kept warm, which also, also, by the way, when you do a semen analysis, I'm on staff at a ton of hospitals. Hospitals are wonderful, but 
get your semen analysis at a fertility center because hospitals, as even if it's covered by your insurance, you guys, because they do it once a week, four times a week, they, they, they don't have the updated criteria that they follow and fertility centers do semen analyses every five, six days a week, several times a day. So they know the criteria, they know what to look for, but let's go there. Most men can give a sample by masturbation. If your partner, however, is uncomfortable with masturbation, we have a condom kit. So he can, you guys could have intercourse with the condom, the condom get goes in the, the cup that comes with the kit. And then we can do a semen analysis that way. The other is there are certain ethnicities and religious groups where masturbation is not acceptable and, you know, condoms may or may not be. So we've had situations where putting a little hole in the bottom of the condom and having intercourse allows the procreation to still technically occur, but we can still get a sample as well. So these are, you know, other situations where there may be this worry about giving a semen analysis, or there may be some restrictions to giving one. And those are some ways that we still get our information to be able to help patients. So, so again, the timing of when a guy gives a semen analysis is in the two weeks that, that you're doing your workup. So in other words, you call the office, Hey, this is, you know, Mrs. Smith on cycle day one, and you're getting the blood work on cycle day two, three, or four. You're getting your baseline ultrasound. The second week you're getting out of the Sono or the HSG that Alexa talked about. And in those two weeks, your partner's getting a semen analysis. Then we take all that information and in a follow-up test result visit, we, we put everything together. So, you know, most fertility centers will not call you when it's just your blood results, will not call you when it's the same for the semen analysis results, because you're going to get that semen analysis and you're going to say, now what? Okay, now what do I do? And we need it all to fit together. So that's why we take one menstrual cycle to do the workup. But nine times out of 10 with the subsequent menstrual cycle, we're acting on those test results to work on some fertility plan. Yeah. And it seems like, but usually it's, you know, we get it all done in one cycle. So that's where it really doesn't delay things and it customizes your plan as the patient. So that one cycle will allow you to have all the information, have your follow-up, know all the details. And then, you know, unless there's a problem we need to fix or correct, we always try to start your plan ASAP. Right. And most of the times we can figure out a reason why the pregnancy is not happening. And there, and most of the times we can find over 90% of the time, we can have treatment options available to you to allow pregnancy to happen and, and making that family uh, dream come true. So hopefully you guys, this has been a very helpful podcast so that you know what to expect with your first visit. You know what questions we're going to ask you. You know that it's only going to take one menstrual cycle to get your workup done. And then we're on to treatment. So I hope you have a great day and thanks for listening. Thank you.